friends, this is Kia, aka Medical Mache, and I am so excited for another episode of the Medical Mache podcast. Um, today's episode should be useful. <laughs> uh, of course, we're talking about the favorite topic for so many, the MCAT, um, or the medical college admissions test. Um, and this is very important for pre-med students, um, probably more triggering for anybody who's uh, already taken the MCAT, but... Um, I'm really excited about today's episode, uh, and first and foremost, please follow me on Instagram at medical underscore mache, that's M-I-C-H-E, um, where you can see updates for new episodes. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, and that's medical mache as well, um, and I will be uploading the podcast episodes to that as well, um, and then share this with anyone you know who is potentially interested in medicine. Um, who is applying for medical school, taking the MCAT, already in medical school, um, really anything. I really hope that this can be a useful resource for any and everyone on the medical journey. So uh, if you could share that. And um, yeah, I think those are all my announcements. So let's hop into this. So conquering the MCAT, your path to success. That's like a strong title. I was really proud of that. So, um, first of all, welcome friends. Uh, as you know, we start every episode with a quote and today's quote is very special to my heart. If you are a fan of the melanin and medicine podcast, then you will know why. Um, but today's quote is by Dr. Mae Jemison. She was the first African-American woman to travel in this space. Um, and it is never limit yourself because of others limited imagination, never limit others because of your own limited imagination. So this applies because, you know, um, well, we'll get into the details of the episode, but more, you know, relevant to the quote, it's very easy to box yourself in based on statistics, averages, um, you know, comparison to what everyone else is doing. And it's very easy to judge others based on, you know, the success that you've gotten from your own statistics and your own average or whatever. And um, it's just always really important to keep in mind that, you know, what's set for you is for you. Um, and you're the one, you're the only person who can put boundaries on your life. You're the only person who can, you know, limit the extent to which you experience life and, you know, push yourself and try again. So with that in mind, I wouldn't, um, so with that in mind, it's just really important to know, like, you know, don't limit yourself. Why would you limit yourself? You know, when your imagination is free, <laughs> So uh, I just really appreciated that. And then to just understanding that, you know, there's room for comparison in all aspects of the world, like all aspects of life. Don't compare yourself like that is just like so damaging. But I don't want to be on my soapbox so early in the episode. But, <laughs> you know, it can be really dangerous to just limit yourself based on imagination and comparison and, you know, thinking the what ifs. Um, and that's the real damaging thing is like the what ifs of the whole process specifically. And like, um, you know, oh, what if I don't do well on this MCAT? What if, you know, on test day I get nervous or all of the bad what ifs that we can think of because there's plenty and you can't think like that. Like just give yourself grace, be on your side root for yourself and know that, you know, you've prepared well because you listened to the Medical Mache podcast. <laughs> so let's hop into it. First things first, what is the MCAT? So funny story, I didn't know what the MCAT was until, 
until probably my junior year of undergrad. Um, I would say like middle of my junior year in undergrad. Um, and I learned about it because I worked as a server in undergrad. And one of my friends who was also a server was in or she was applying for she had already done an MCAT program. Um, and it was specifically a, a preparation program at my school. Uh, and KU offers a really great program. It's called the pre-admissions program. Um, still offering it and it's a really great resource for uh, many, many pre-medical students studying for the MCAT. So I would highly recommend looking into it. However, um, I had never heard of it at the time. And uh, this friend, I didn't even know she was pre-med. I didn't even know she, you know, was trying to go to medical school. And uh, so we just happened to be folding silverware together. And she mentions, you know, this program. And I'm like, what is the MCAT? And she's like, it's the test that you have to take to get into medical school. And mind you, I'm pre-med. And I feel like I should have known this, but you know. (sighs) Anyway, so (laughs) I mean, my own ignorance, you know. So um, I I dig into it. I do my research. I freak out a bit because I'm like, wow, this is no joke. Like, this is really serious. And so Um, with her encouragement, I applied for the program. And so I ended up getting selected. I was really excited. Um, And at the time, this was when, you know, the program has changed since I did it in 2015, 2016. No, 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 it had to be 2015. So um, the program has changed a bit. But when I did it, it was six weeks that we lived on the Lawrence campus. And we essentially took a in-person Kaplan-like course. Um, and it was very intense. Like it was very, I mean, you had to live basically on campus for six weeks and you went to class. Like it was, it was basically like being in summer school for the MCAT. Um, and it was really helpful. Now it's virtual and I don't know the details of like how it runs presently. Um, but I do know it's still going on and students are still benefiting from it. Um, and I think it's better, you know, virtual, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm one of the people who feel like virtual has opened the world in ways that I mean, I don't think people ever imagine like you have the opportunity to anyway, that's my virtual soapbox. I won't get on it right now. So, (laughs) but, um, uh, so anyway, I take, uh, I, I apply for this program. I get accepted. I'm really excited. And I, in that program, I mean, I make most of the friends that I will, one of my best friends I made in that program, but, um, I just made really useful connections with people and I was so inspired. Um, But I learned what the MCAT was really about. I took the MCAT for the first time at the end of the program. I ended up getting, I got a 489, which I humbly did not feel confident in. And um, I knew then that I would need some work. So sorry, that was a little tangent. But um, what is the MCAT? (laughs) The MCAT is short for the Medical College Admissions Test. Um, And uh, it, like I said, this is basically the ACT for medical school. Uh, There are four different sections, um, chemical and physical foundations, uh, CARS, or critical analysis and reasoning skills, biological and biochemical foundations, uh, and then psych-soc, or psychological-social and biological foundations. So, um, and these are formal names, but essentially uh, each segment has 59 questions. It's passage-based. So basically it is like, um, so I was taught that it was essentially research articles that were kind of 
cut up and like pieces were taken out. And then questions were formulated based off of the pieces taken out, um, the information that you were provided with and how you would interpret that information and how you could extrapolate that information essentially. And so each segment has up to 10 passages um, and it's 59 questions per um, segment except for cars or critical analysis and reasoning, which is going to have nine passages. And that one is made up of 53 questions. And so it varies as far as like how many um, questions go to each passage. And some questions are just standalone. So like they're not attributed to um, a passage specifically. And I would highly recommend if you aren't listening to this. um, Sorry, I should have mentioned this earlier. But um, if you aren't listening to this while driving or, you know, you have time, free time, I would highly recommend kind of Googling this and kind of following along um, if you can find like a guideline or an outline Um, Because that could be really helpful. But, you know, if you're not, feel free to, I don't know, listen to it. This again, that's great. (laughs) So it's four segments, total of 230 questions. And um, when I took it, it was a seven hour test. I know COVID changed things where they had like an abbreviated version. I think that might be over, but I don't want to get to line with you all. Um, For any and all information about this, you can go to the double AMC website, um, and that is going to be a very useful resource for pre-med students. Um, so I would recommend anybody, you know, high school students who are interested um, in going pre-med or like undergrad students, I would I would definitely encourage you to go to the AAMC website for like more information on all things pre-med. However, um, so segments, uh, like I said, total of 230 questions. And this exam is going to, and you also get like an hour's worth of break. Um, as well. So it's seven hours and then, you know, you get like an hour's worth of break. Um, I think it's split up for like each segment. Um, but break time is more specific to like the exam and it's based on whether or not it's, um, extended or if they have gone back to a previous arrangement of time before the, uh, pandemic. So, um, but essentially the exam tests your critical reasoning, uh, problem solving, and scientific knowledge base. Um, It is a doozy, not going to lie. And it's used by medical schools. Some of them use it as a screening tool. um, And so it's scored essentially the average. Well, okay. So the current average or the most recent average um, was stated at (laughs) after 2015, uh, 5.11, like 5.12. Um, and it's, it's scored on a bell curve. Um, so I feel like, you know, the single, like the difference in like point is pretty significant. Um, and so when I took it, the average was a 500, um, or like the goal was like a 500, like people felt like if I got a 500, I could at least get in. Um, and so when I took it, I got, well, the first time I took it, I got a 489. And then when I retook it, I got a 504. So, um, that was pretty big for me. That was about my goal. Um, I think my goal at the time was like a, it varied. So at first my goal was a 510, then I got really nervous and then my goal was like a 505. Um, but I was really just hoping to get over a 500. If I got over 500, then I planned on applying to medical school. So, um, essentially when it comes to resources for studying, um, I kind of looked into like new resources now, considering I took the exam in for the last time I took the exam in 2018. Um, and so, uh, 
WMC has options. Uh, they do have like free resources, uh, like sample resources. They're not like, you know, they're giving a bunch of stuff away for free. But um, they do offer like practice exams, uh, question packs and section banks. Um, and so I would highly recommend like preparation and like getting all your resources together before you start studying. One of the very useful resources. So I'm going to tell you guys two of the resources that I feel like changed my life. And I know they were good because I still use these resources. So I got UWorld um, and it was fairly new. It was pretty new at that time. Like I use UWorld. I feel like most people were not using UWorld at that time to study for the MCAT. Um, but I use it then and I feel like it was like a game changer. I don't know if their quality like is still the same. Um, but it was a game changer for me. They had really great explanations. Uh, <clears throat> and that was really awesome. I use Amboss right now for, uh, like medical school. And so I would highly recommend kind of seeing if they have, um, a MCAT option. Uh, cause I love Amboss. Amboss has similar utility to me, uh, to UWorld. But if they don't, uh, Kaplan was also a very useful uh, resource for me while I was studying. Um, and then uh, exam crackers was also a really helpful one as well. Um, I do know as far as like when you go to get your resources, I would highly recommend organizing it so that you can take a practice test each week of your studying. That sounds kind of wild. I know. Um, one of the best ways you can kind of do this, and I don't know if they've cracked down on it. So, you know, not sharing any illegal information, but, um, I did have a study group when I was studying for the MCAT and we kind of pulled our money together for research purpose, like purchases. Um, not going to get specific on what those resources were. Um, but we did buy, uh, like, you know, question options and, you know, just like, uh, study materials, all these things. However, one of the useful resources that I used within the study group was um, the next step, um, like practice tests. Um, and that was really helpful. I know a lot of people when I took it said that next step um, had some questionable scoring um, and like questioned whether or not it was similar to what you would score on the actual exam. Um, but that's not really what I needed it for. I really needed it more for just having the consistent practice. And I think having that consistent practice can really make a difference. The exam tests so many things. Like not only is it testing your knowledge base, but it's also testing your stamina. And so when it comes to um, taking practice tests, that was the one thing that I was really worried about. I, my stamina was trash. So that was really something I wanted to work on. Um, and so we'll get into like when you start studying and all that. But for the most part, I would try to get a set of, you know, practice tests or even questions available to you um, to where you can take, you know, you want to do a set of practice questions each day, but you want to be able to take a practice test every week. Um, and that may be overkill. Some people may feel like, you know, that's too much, but I feel like, you know, I don't know, to me, you can never over prepare for stuff like this. And I doubt you would regret over preparing, um, especially if you learn, you know, what works for you early enough, but you know, some people's decisions. So, um, I know there's also like other resources available as far as like courses and things like that. And I wouldn't necessarily say not take a course. Um, I think it just depends on your finances. Uh, and so some free resources, you know, cause let's talk about it. Like YouTube is free. Um, and like, as far as I remember, I know Khan Academy is really out here for the girls, um, and really persistently free. So 
would highly recommend, you know, using your free resources. Um, definitely recommend like finding a YouTube channel that you rely on. Um, and just kind of like latching to that because that's the thing too, is like finding resources that work for you early enough to where you can build a routine around them. So really be intentional about where you give your time. Um, and then we'll get into like organizing your study schedule once you find those resources that work for you. Um, so let's talk about preparing. (laughs) So I would recommend taking the MCAT in the summer between, um, your sophomore and junior year, maybe at the latest, um, your junior to senior year. Um, so I took it my junior to senior year and, um, or like the summer between, you know, my junior and senior year. And, you know, maybe I'm overshoot. I I would definitely say summer between your junior and senior year is probably ideal because you're going to apply to medical school, like going into it. I think I'm buffering for, um, when you, you know, in the event that things don't go your way. So I would say like sophomore, anytime like after sophomore year, maybe a little optimistic because like you still need, you know, organic chemistry, you still need, um, you know, your physics classes, you need biochem. So you want to make sure you've gotten all those classes taken. When I took it the first time I had not taken biochem. And I think that was like a big flop on my part. I would highly recommend only like definitely taking those courses before you take the MCAT. I think what's most beneficial is if you know you're going to take the MCAT. So let's say like if I would have been able to do it all before, like again, I would have known about the MCAT freshman year, like orientation day, freshman year, like knowing at some point in my undergrad experience, I'm going to take the MCAT. So knowing that I would have had like almost a, like I would have liked to do like passages throughout undergrad while I was studying for those courses. And I think that really would have been a game changer, even if it would have been like, um, and this is something I started doing in medical school, but essentially when you, uh, like when you do those passages, you, first of all, review them. Um, when you do any practice tests or any practice questions, make sure to review them. And you want to take away like one sentence or skill or something that you needed to know to get the question right. Um, and so in knowing that, I used what's called Anki. So this is another resource that I would highly recommend. It's a flashcard app. It's like Quizlet. Um, it does cost 25 bucks on your phone. Um, like if you have an iPhone, it's free for Androids. Um, but I would highly, I mean, I use it still like in medical school uh, and medical students rely on Anki very heavily. So I would highly recommend, um, using Anki in undergrad. So, but also using it for the MCAT. Um, and so when it comes to preparing, would highly recommend, uh, <laughs> if you know, well in advance, you know, doing it alongside those courses is just going to help solidify what you'll need to know for the MCAT and it'll better shape like what you're supposed to gain from the content that you're learning in your courses. Um, and so that's one thing I really wish I would have known, but anyway, so in preparing, you're going to get all of your resources together. I would definitely recommend making a study schedule. And so when I took the MCAT successfully, I did a post-bac program. So this is a post-baccalaureate program. This is essentially something you do after you've graduated. Um, so post, after baccalaureate, after you've gotten your bachelor's degree. So, um, and these can be done, you know, independently. They have a lot of resources for post-bacs, um, for short. And um, 
I'll, I'll do a podcast episode about, you know, post-bac specifically, different resources, things you want from your post-bac, all that. However, when I did my MCAT successfully, um, I did a year long, I was completing my first year in this post-bac program. Um, and they were really helpful because they essentially gave us the courses that we would need for the MCAT. And that was the opportunity that I had to essentially implement MCAT studies with, you know, the courses I was taking. And it was really, I mean, it brought everything full picture because I understood the content in the setting of a class, but I also understood the content in the setting of the MCAT. So that was really helpful for me. Um, So I would highly recommend, you know, if you're a freshman or even if you have time, let's say you're taking organic chemistry this year, um, biochem, whatever, and it's not going to be easy. Like I will say it's hard. Like you're going to have to be very intentional about including this in your courses. But anyway, so create your study schedule. They have resources available for making a study schedule. One in particular that I know, um, and it does cost, but it's a useful tool, is um, Cram Fighters. And so that's a website where essentially, and they might have changed the, I think they changed their uh, like website name. But essentially, if you like search Cram Fighters, the correct like version will come up. I think they've updated it recently, but um, that's a really good resource for just getting a study schedule together. You can plug in what resources you plan to use because they're very like they have a database of like basically all study resources and they know, you know, the time that it takes to review that um, and they know like they calculate all of that and they essentially like pair that with, you know, the amount of time you want to study each day, all that. Um, so that's a really helpful tool, but you can also just make your own study schedule on your own. Um, and if anyone needs help, like making their study schedule, I'd be happy to try to help, um, wherever I can just DM me on Instagram. Um, and you know, we'll try to work something out, but essentially definitely get a study schedule together. Also in considering your resources, I would recommend getting like an accountability group or maybe even a study group together. Um, that can be really helpful. I know that was very helpful for me and I've, I've stated in previous episodes, but like this was a group of people that I wasn't necessarily super close with. We just worked really well together. Um, and if I, if I remember correctly, I think all of the people who was in my study group, like successfully completed the MCAT, um, and made it into uh, medical school for the class of 2019. So, um, or not the class of 2019, but the entering class of 2019. So, Um, Would definitely recommend like having a study group. It was really beneficial for me um, if that's something that would benefit you. So in making that schedule, I would recommend doing six weeks of studying. Um, Some people will say different. I definitely experienced like in my experience, I studied like months. (laughs) I studied like uh, I would say officially I probably studied from like February to May um, for my MCAT. And I mean, that's not even considering the fact that I was taking classes specific to the MCAT since the previous June. So I studied a long time for the MCAT, but I also understood like the gravity of the situation. So I, I mean, I definitely didn't mind. I knew like the time I was investing right now was going to benefit me like, you know, decades from now. So I was like, let's just, you know, spend this little year doing what I got to do. Um, and then, you know, crank it out so that I can be happy. But, um, so I'd highly recommend, 
I would, yeah, I would say like six weeks is probably most appropriate. If you needed longer, like I would plan for that. And by needing longer, so like signs you might need longer for the MCAT. If you are not doing like straight A's in your classes, um, or even if you're, well, specifically if you're getting C's, uh, in your pre-med classes, then you might need longer and that's okay. Um, it's better to know ahead of time. So I would recommend setting aside at a minimum two months, um, for you to study for your MCAT. So in saying that, you have to consider the commitments you possibly have um, and like what that looks like. So that's the benefit of kind of like doing this earlier rather than later because you have the benefit of like, okay, well, if I have commitments, then I can kind of stretch my study schedule so that it kind of like gives me time to accommodate those commitments. However, um, if you're working, if you have classes, that can be really hard. And I tried to study. Um, I was fortunate in that, like I said, I, I was taking courses that was relevant to the MCAT while I was studying for the MCAT. So in taking those classes, it was almost like I got some study time. Um, but if you're taking like classes or working or whatever the situation is, if you have children, then um, it can be really hard to fit in quality study time. So I would aim for like six to eight hours a day. Uh, and I know that might be crazy, but I mean, you can break it up. You could do like an hour and a half in the morning an hour and a half in the, like the evening and then like extra hard on the weekends, whatever the situation is. Um, but I would I would like recommend aiming for like six to eight hours a day studying for this test. And so when you do that, um, it's very important to be consistent, like in everything you do. It is huge to have a consistent study routine. Um, and as you get closer to your exam, so I would say like within a month before your exam, I would highly recommend like making sure that you have like a consistent study routine, but you also have like a safe space to study. You want place like a safe space where you don't have distractions. You don't have like any extra, you know, disruptions, anything like that. And that's a huge luxury. I know um, a lot of people just don't have those resources available to them, but you like, it's really important that you like intentionally seek out those spaces. Hopefully you can go to your school library and it's reliable. Um, even if you can like, I mean, depending on whether like studying outside is hairy, um, coffee shops for some people work. Um, and some coffee shops have really like secluded little areas and nooks. Um, bookstores can also be really helpful. I'm trying to think like, it just depends on, um, resources available to you, but I would really recommend like being really intentional on finding like a spot where that's reliable, consistent, and you could do that. So, um, I would also recommend like whenever you notice weak areas. Um, so when you're taking your, te your practice test and you're doing practice passages, when you find a weak area, so let's say you get like, you know, you bomb a passage, you get like one out of like four questions correct. That would be reason for you to dig into it further. Um, and so just kind of zooming out when you make your study schedule, you're going to assign. Well, so what I did and this worked for me we assigned a day, um, for each concept. So like, uh, physics was Monday, Tuesday was chemistry, Wednesday was bio, Thursday, uh, was, uh, psych -soch. And then Friday was organic chemistry Saturday. Um, let's see, probably biochem. And then Sunday we took off um, and we did have a cars class. So that really helped us because we essentially didn't study cars. We essentially like um, 
just like use our cars class and that was like enough study for us but um I would recommend like manipulating the schedule so that you fit cars on a day um funny story about my cars experience as well uh that I'll save that for later in the episode but anyway um and I might have to do a part two I'm realizing now I'm gonna have to do a part two for the MCAT but that's okay she's a big girl so that's fine um but yeah so (laughs) uh I structured my days like that and in doing that we would try to take um I would say like three passages um and we did them in a group that was really helpful too so we would essentially read them out um and then like just well, like, okay, we would do them separately, like by ourselves. And then we would answer the questions and then we would discuss the passage. Um, so, you know, like, what did you get from the passage? Because like when you're taking the test, first of all, it's stressful. Like you're, well, okay, let me not psych anybody out. It is challenging because it is a test, but you are very capable. So there's that. But um, when you're taking the test, you're basically reading this journal, like snippet. And you want to gain something from the passage. So like you want to, and, and they use jargon. And these are the things that like trip people up. They use jargon that often students don't know. They use abbreviations um, that you really have to pick up on. They use um, kind of like shortcuts and thinking and assumptions. They, they rely on or inferences. And so it's a lot of that. And you have to make a safe assumption. And I hated it because I don't make assumptions. But I also uh, had to do that in medical school as well. So it's very fitting for the brand, (laughs) but, um, it's definitely just one of those exams where you have to read between the lines and that's where you're trying to fill your knowledge is those gaps in knowledge where you'll have to read between the lines. Um, so anyway, dive deep into those weak areas. If you see that, you know, you bomb up, I, I know this is like way back before, but um, if you see you bomb a passage, like dive deep into those weak areas. And that's kind of the benefit to having our group is what I was getting at is that uh, being in that group setting, we would discuss the passages and I would be like, oh, everybody else got this right. Like, yikes, I need to <laughs> dive into this. And so that was the time where I realized, okay, you know, this is my weakness and document that, write that down, make a list of, you know, things you feel like you need to work on. And I would highly recommend like going through flashcards or doing what you need to do, um, like on your own time to further solidify those areas. And that's, if you have a study group, obviously when you study, you know, that's going to be your own time. But, um, I would like have your, you know, scheduled time and then, if you can have like areas in your schedule for, you know, free study or like unstructured study where you can like dig into those things, that's really beneficial as well. So, um, hmm, we're at the limit for the time that I wanted this episode to be. Um, and in honor of manage managing time well, uh, I'm going to bring it to a close. So, uh, I'll do a part two on this episode, uh, in the upcoming weeks. But I wanted to go over our next segment, which is the medical moment of the week. Um, And this week, I really wanted to talk about conquering procrastination. And so uh, this is relevant to a medical experience I had. Um, And, you know, I I say procrastination. I feel like people have like a stigma against procrastination. And I definitely feel like procrastination can be a defense mechanism for a lot of people. I know for myself it was. Um, If there was something I was nervous about, if, if, you know... I felt overwhelmed, I would put it off, um, and just put it off, put it off, put it off. Um, but really like, you know, avoidance and it's not healthy. (laughs) And 
oftentimes like it just breeds more anxiety. So and, and you know, it's a bigger mess to clean up than if you would have just overcome it at the time. So all that being said, uh, this stems from a medical experience I had with a patient, um, really heartbreaking, honestly. And uh, they had been diagnosed with a very serious uh, cancer uh, several months ago. So I think April. Um, And then uh, they ended up, you know, not wanting treatment at the time and then uh, wanted a second opinion. But then in July, it had metastasized and things had become more severe for them. Um, And the conversation kind of shifted from, you know, treatment focused to uh, more, you know, end of life care. And so that all that to say, um, and it's really heartbreaking to me because I see a lot of um, black men in this situation. And that breaks my heart because, I mean, as a black woman, you know, I have a father. I am uh, in a relationship with a black man. I have brothers and, you know, my nephews. And it just it breaks my heart because I feel like I see the distrust in medicine from the black community. Um, And I understand it. I feel it. You know, I feel like the medical field has a lot of questionable things for the black community. It wasn't until recently that they've been more committed to specifically uh, fixing that trust. And so and I'm choosing my words wisely uh, because I'm a candid person. (laughs) But I want to make sure to say this in a way that, you know, everybody can understand. I know a lot of people will get offended about certain conversations about race. And I feel like that that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to attack anybody or anything like that, but I want to be very honest in the fact that, you know, we all know that the medical system has breeded mistrust in many communities uh, of minorities. And specifically, you know, to me, uh, I see how it impacts black people and African-Americans in our country. And it's really heartbreaking because it, you know, costs lives. It costs um, worsened medical diagnosis and more severe complications to z- diseases that are otherwise, you know, manageable. And um, it, it's really heartbreaking and concerning. And yeah, so uh, just wanted to uh, kind of talk about that. And in light of, you know, I said procrastination, I feel like that was the only way that I could really capture this uh, concept. Um, Um, But I know specific to me, I'm that type of person that uh, if I get overwhelmed, you know, I I say I would dive deep in something. But I also want to highlight, like, you don't know why a patient, you know, it it can seem as though procrastination. But you don't want to assume that that is what's going on. Um, And I also think it's very important to understand, you know, barriers to health. (laughs) Um, Understanding that, you know. Sometimes people can't get to the hospital. Sometimes people can't get out of their house. Um, And so just understanding like when if it looks like, you know, a patient was putting off their medical care, um, the term like noncompliance, like, you know, like if it feels like the patient doesn't care, I would challenge yourself to stop that mentality in the moment um, and reflect on why you feel that way. Reflect on why you're like, oh, this patient doesn't care, you know, Um, because that's usually not the case. I think people deal with complicated situations and stressful situations in their own way. Um, and obviously you can only really control what you do in that situation. Um, and you know, good care and a listening ear can make all the difference for that patient. And 
I, I know I want to be that kind of doctor. Like, I want to be that kind of doctor that feels like, okay, maybe they just need that one person who's present. And so let me be that. Um, but for me personally, it, it spoke to my history of procrastination and how I've worked so hard to overcome that and how I've seen, you know, the consequences of procrastination. And that's where it aligned with me. So I want to make it clear, like, I'm not saying these patients were like procrastinating on their health, but I'm saying, sorry, I'm getting like significant text messages, but um, I'm essentially saying uh, that, you know, that's how I, it, it spoke to the severity of procrastination for me and how I see the consequences in my own life uh, that have been from procrastinating. Example, <laughs> studying for the MCAT. Um, and uh, that is how it kind of became the, you know, idea of conquering procrastination. So, um, but that is just something that uh, I wanted to really specify. And I hope that my message wasn't, you know, ill-received or anything like that. Please let me know <laughs> your uh, experiences with procrastination. But also, I mean, what are your thoughts on this entire episode? I hope it was helpful. Um, also, please subscribe to my uh, podcast. I know it's now available. Your girl's on basically everything. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, a bunch of girls that I don't know. Sorry. Um, but essentially, subscribe on all of those. <laughs> and please, please, please leave a review if you do enjoy this podcast. Um, I would really appreciate if you could give me five stars. But I'm humble enough to know maybe you don't feel that way. Um, so would greatly appreciate any review you could leave. Uh, if you have positive or negative feedback or constructive criticism, then I will accept that as well. Um, but I appreciate, uh, listeners again, please follow me on Instagram at medical underscore mache, follow my YouTube channel, medical mache, and I will see you all next week. I'm so excited for the lineup that I have for August. Um, I think it will be good. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Your girl's going to be consistent. I see it in the future. I'm excited. Um, I've already made my outline. Look, we got a plan. Okay. We're, we're getting the girls into med school and out of med school. Okay. We are getting it all. So on that note, I will see y'all next week. Bye.